while you was gone you must have done a lot of favors you got a whole lot of things i don't think that you could ever have paid for while you've been busy crying about my past mistakes i've been busy trying to make a change and now i made a change Perhaps next, um, and if you have other ideas, uh, that is perfectly fine with me because you have been uh, directing this conversation in a good way, and I think that it's uh, really helping everybody to understand. But do you think it would maybe make sense to get into the X-Files and some of the X-Witnesses next? Okay, so... Absolutely. uh, That that ties up nicely because that's where Neil pops up again. (laughs) Okay, so here in America, typically when we think of the X-Files, we think of Fox Mulder going after aliens and stuff like that. But this is not nearly as lighthearted of an X-Files, unfortunately. 
So uh, could you, uh, you know, just give us an idea of what the X-Files are in a larger sense, and then maybe we can get into Regina Luth a little bit, because um, this- especially with like the, uh, the, the mushroom farm murder and stuff like that, uh, that, that really yeah. explains a lot of what's going on. So what are the X-Files? So the, the, the X-Files were started by uh, the, the judge in charge of the Detroiter in uh, 96 when it happened. Um, and uh, the judge, which I believe is Judge Conrad, uh, started the Dossier X or X-Files in English, you know, as a, a, an investigation cell that would focus on um, anonymous people calling in and um, telling their stories which might be linked to the truth. So he, he set up this uh, landline, you know, that you could call to and tell your story, uh, you know, if it was in any way or shape or form linked to Marc Dutroux, you know, and or even like, you know, um, human trafficking, you know, all, all, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so that's how it got, you know, uh, up and running. And uh, like you said, uh, the, the first uh, um ex-witness, uh, X one or Reginald Wolf, uh, she was the first person to, to call, uh, you know, the, the X-Files investigation cell. And uh, she, like, you know, she was telling at first, like, stories that seemed to be, you know, almost crazy. Like, you know, she was um, implicating people you, you you just couldn't wrap your head around. So she interested the, the, the investigation cell pretty quick and they set up a, a bunch of meetings with her, you know, where they would sit in a, in a, in a room. You know, she had uh, two cops uh, with her and interrogating her and she would basically tell her a life story. Um, and it turns out that she wasn't, you know, talking about the, the 90s, but rather the 80s where she claimed that she was, uh, you know, as a young at a, at a young age, she was, uh, you know, turned into a, a child prostitute by her grandma. Um, her parents had actually uh, given her to her grandma for uh, to to be raised, and she the, the grandma was apparently involved in uh, prostitution and uh, all kinds of. Uh, with parties like uh, I've talked about with Neil, and yeah, so it's uh, I have to say to the to the listeners that this part of the X Files, you know, will be very very gruesome. You'll hear awful things. So if um, if that's not your thing, uh, it's maybe best to skip a bit. Ahead. So yeah, she was brought into prostitution uh, as early as two years old, according to her. Um, and she spent, you know, a, a whole childhood just being driven to places and being abused. She had um, a pimp named Tony, uh, which took care of her, you know. Um, and um, she claimed that uh, multiple times in the in the eighties, she was uh, abused by uh, at these parties, at these elite parties, by uh, all kinds of people, politicians, uh, gendarmerie officers, police officers. Um, you, you name it, like uh, the, the the elite of Belgium. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, Regina, uh, as you know, she could be uh, very sometimes blurry about her memories. As you know, she would mix things up, you know, uh, and she wasn't believed from the start, uh, even by the 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 
the, the police officers uh, in, in charge of a case, you know, they were like kind of, you know, not sure about her. But there's one story uh, told by Regina that, you know, really sticked. Uh, and that's the story of the mushroom farm, like you said. Uh, so uh, the, the mushroom farm, um, the mushroom farm uh, killing um, took place in 1984. Uh, and uh, it started a, a bit weird. So the police was alerted of a fire in the area of a mushroom farm in, in, in Brussels um, by a call made through a call phone. So at the time, apparently, there were, uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember what they were called, uh, uh, but they were like um, some sort of cell phones inside cars that you could pick up and use to make calls. And it was made, uh, the call was made from that, which was not traceable, uh, which is an interesting tidbit. So, you know, did, did someone do that on purpose or, you know, I don't know. Um, and the call was made um, uh, late at night and uh, the police turns up and there's Christine's body, Christine, um, which is the girl that was killed in the mushroom farm. So not Regina, but she You'll see how that links up later. Um, and she was found dead there uh, in the basement of uh, an old house. So to clear things up, it's called the mushroom farm killing, but it did not take place, place Excuse me, in the mushroom farm. It took place in an old house near the mushroom farm. But people refer to that area as the, you know, the mushroom farm globally. So, yeah. Um, the, the murder took place in 1984. But uh, for 12 years, the police were chasing, you know, a, a punk lead. They believed that, you know, uh, local punks, Satanist punks, had uh, kidnapped a girl and killed her there. You know, it was like a, a ritual killing of some sort. Um, and it took until uh, Regina spoke up about uh, something she witnessed, uh, abuse she witnessed, to, you know, make the, the link from uh, Regina's stories and this crime. Because... Um, you know, she described a, a scene where a young girl around her, her same age, the, the same age as her, which was 16, I think, at the time, in, in 84, um, they, it seemed to match the, the mushroom farm crime. Um, and uh, she mentioned knowing a girl named Christine while she was being questioned, uh, Regina. Um, and so the investigators, you know, tried to dig deeper. They, 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 had, no, they had no idea they were going into the mushroom farm crime at that time. Uh, they just tried to, you know, dig deeper into this. Uh, and she said that Christine was sacrificed, you know, after the two girls had trained together to police clients. Uh, so it's a awful technique used by uh, their pimps, according to Regina, which was if Regina did good, uh, they would hurt Christine. And if she did bad, they would hurt her instead. You know, it was a... Uh, to ensure the girls were obedient, I guess. Um, and she said that she met her, you know, through these trainings, like, you know, they would get the girls together to, to be abused. And uh, a competition was put on by the pimps, you know, between the two girls. Um, and so she would go on to describe the scene of uh, Christine's uh, ritualistic killing uh, with extreme precision, you know, she mentions that the, the, the Christine she knew was tied up in her back and that she was burned after she was killed. And that's exactly how Christine in the, in the mushroom form crime was found. 
and she said also that she spoke Dutch, but also French, like Regina did. Um, but there's uh, evidence that I think uh, goes beyond all that to prove that Regina had witnessed that scene. You know, um, she said that uh, this all started at, at night in a in a private villa. You know, where Regina and Christine were. You know, there were a, a bunch of people there, older people. Um, apparently, that night there were Neil. Neil was there. Uh, Dutro was there. Um, uh, Dutro's wife was there. Uh, and uh, Neil Weiss was there. Uh, I think uh, I'm not sure exactly on the people being there. And I think uh, Regina is not sure as well. So, you know, well, basically, Dutro and Neil were there. Um, and they were uh, abusing the girls. Um, and at some point uh, in the night, you know, uh, it, it seems that Christine had done something wrong. So they just got, uh, the, the adults got dressed. Uh, the girls had a, had a bag put over their head. They were dragged outside, put in a car, different cars. And they were drove, uh, they, were, they, they, they took a, a ride, you know, uh, to someplace unknown, Regina says, you know, about 20 minutes, right? Uh, it's an old decrepit building. Um, and what's really amazing, and I, I, I don't know how she can explain that if she has not been inside the house, is that Regina was able to describe to the investigators extremely precisely the old house near the mushroom farm where Christine was killed. Like she, she even drew a plan of the house that like matched almost perfectly the the, the old house uh, near the mushroom farm. So you know she, they, they first go up to the, the the first story of the house, and then they're brought in the basement. And uh, so what Regina says is that there were three butcher hooks in the kitchen, uh, and there were there were there were there, um, and uh, there were two wooden tables left there by the the, the, the previous owners. You know, th these, these are details that, you know, where could she make this up? You know, there were three butcher hooks in the kitchen. There were there were two wooden tables. She described the, the tables uh, and the details on them. And they were there. You know, in, in the entrance hall, there's a, a metallic tube laying in diagonal in the hall. You know, she tripped on it when she entered the house, you know. And you couldn't have known there was like a random metallic tube laying there if you did not get inside the house. And that's what the the, the son of the owner of the house, the previous owner, the, the son of the previous owner, who had lived there himself in his childhood, that's what he said, you know. He said that she must have been there, you know. Uh, in 1997, when they were uh, investigated, well, they were asked by the police uh, um, during the investigation into... Uh, X1, Regina. Uh, so, you know, she, she described it perfectly, like she must have been there, you know. And he's, he, he talked uh, about the, 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 that tube in the entrance hall that was a piece from the old underfloor eating, you know, from the mushroom farm, uh, which had been exposed uh, when they removed the floor. So, you know, that's, that's extremely precise. And uh, the design of the owner even went as far as to, you know, match what Regina said about the house, uh, he identified like 12 description points she made that were like that for him fit perfectly the description of the house. So, 
could she have visited the house before? You know, that, that could be a thing. You know, like somehow she had been in the house. Well, um, she was, uh, like I said, 16 when she was, uh, 15, excuse me, when she was uh, in, uh, in 1984. And she, she, she lived in Ghent, you know. So if you, that's uh, not Brussels, that's two hours away from Brussels, I believe. So unless she, you know, she wasn't involved into all this and she like, I don't know, took the bus or the train all by herself to this old abandoned house and somehow got inside and visited it for no reason. I don't see why. You know, she would have been there before. Um, uh, so, yeah. Next up is the uh, actual, like, very gruesome details that she gave the ex-files investigators. You know, she said that Christine's genitals were cut up and that a tampon was used to soak up the fluid uh, and that um, there was indeed a tampon found on the, on the crime scene. Uh, she said that candles were used as a light source in the basement. Uh, they found bits of candles there uh, when searching the, the basement. And she said that, uh, precisely that, Christine was tied up in a bag with electric cables, you know. And electric cables are very precise, you know. That's not just some random, uh, some random, uh, I, I don't know, cable they used to tie up. No, they were, those were electric cables and they were found uh, on uh, Christine's body. There's also uh, a, a nail that was apparently uh, inserted in Christine's left wrist. Uh, she maybe overestimated the size of the nail. She said there was uh, an about, uh, you know, 30 centimeter long nail when it was more around eight centimeter. But nevertheless, there was a nail there. Um, and so, yeah, that points out to, you know, uh, her being there, having witnessed this crime, which according to her, Neil was there, Dutrou was there, you know, uh, and that, that raises a lot of questions because if Neil and Dutrou were there, you know, if they had been part of some sort of network that was trafficking children, abusing children's bodies, uh, that's, you know, that's a Android box that you're opening there. Yeah, I mean, that goes beyond the level of coincidence to be able to describe the, the scene of the murder so well. But then what, I mean, this is really where, I mean, I was already, you know, thinking that there was a network at play here and I, you know, tend to believe victims who, um, or, you know, people who claim to be, to be victims, you know, for, for the most part, unless there's, you know, really good reason not to, but this is something that absolutely blew my mind is so Christine, this girl, can you talk a little bit how about the ice rink that she would visit as well as the pirate radio station, because this is truly when, I mean, this, this yes, yes. kind of broke my brain and I think it will to the listeners as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, honestly, that's exactly what I felt when I first read this, like, you know, I was reading the, the books on the X-Files, uh, Le Dossier X in French, you know, it's a, a book that was made uh, after the, the Dutroufer, you know, going, uh, all over the, the these X files, and when I read this, uh, I, I was like, like, uh, uh, how is this possible? You know, how is this possible? Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll get into it. Um, so, uh, Christine, uh, so Christine van Is, uh, she had been a, a, a nice skating fan, um, much like uh, a certain Marc Dutroux. Uh, and she had been going, you know, to uh, the the Poseidon, 
which is uh, an ice skating ring in uh, Brussels in uh, near Molenbeek, I believe. I, I, I'm not really sure, but uh, it's in Brussels. I know that for sure. Um, and yeah, it turns out that Christine uh, may have met a certain Marc Dutroux in 1984 there because she, one of her friends, uh, which is called Ariane, uh, she remembered that Christine talked to her about having met uh, a guy, uh, uh, an older guy, which was, his name was Marc, and he was from Mons. So Mons, that's a little town near Charleroi in the in the south of Belgium. Uh, Charleroi, that's where Marc Dutroux is from. Um, and she's not the one who brought that guy, Marc, up, you know. Um, Christine, Christine's brother, I think. Uh, he also said that uh, she had dates with this guy, you know, uh, Mark. Um, and so who's that guy, you know? Uh, obviously, he started turning up when the, the police uh, did the first into the first uh, investigation into Christine in 1994, and they didn't find the guy, you know? Apparently, he was named Mark Gussens, uh, but there's no one named Mark Gussens. Uh, except a guy which was a, a paratrooper which died who died in the 60s um, so yeah uh, Dutroux was seen at the at the Poseidon ice rink in Brussels uh, plenty of times you know he, he was talking to girls there groping uh, groping them you know uh, that's when he started you know uh, going further into his uh, sexual uh, assault um, and so they may have met there, but that's not, you know, the, the, the most impressive thing about this is that uh, also uh, Christine uh, also um, went to the swimming pool in Brussels, in Etterbeek, uh, a swimming pool that hosted uh, a, a small radio station there that was called Radio Activité. So it was, you know, you had the swimming pool on the, on the, on the first floor and then Upstairs, you had, you know, like small offices and all that. That's where the, the radio was. And that's where uh, one uh, Michel Newell worked. Um, and that was a, 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 a small Brussels radio that he was working at. Because uh, Michel Newell had gotten into radio. Uh, you know, it was something he loved. And he, he worked uh, at a lot of different radio stations in the 80s. Uh, and uh, he created even some of them uh, himself. Uh, and uh, Christine friends and her relatives said that she had been seen uh, attending, you know, small gatherings, you know, there at the, at the Radio Activité studios. Uh, she was seen, you know, going upstairs uh, at the radio. So what does that tell you? That tells you that uh, in the 80s, um, in 1984, Neil probably knew of Christine Van Is that Dutroux probably even if, let's say, let's admit that he never talked to her uh, by some kind of coincidence, you know, he, he probably was attending the same ice ring as her, you know. Um, and Regina's testimony about Dutroux and uh, Neil being there when Christine was killed, you know, you start wondering, like, okay, that's surely there's something there, you know, and that doesn't stop there, you know. Um, the, the, the police of Brussels, the Etterbeek, Police, uh, which was uh, you know in charge of the of the mushroom farm crime, uh, they got a call in 1987. You know, some anonymous guy just said, uh, "Excuse me, officer, if you want to get informed, uh, go to the Dolo Cafe." Um, 
you know, and he said, perhaps you could learn more about the Champignonier, which is the mushroom farm in French. Um, yeah, so the, the officer answered like, yeah, wh why, are we, why are you saying this, you know? What do you mean? And he said like, if you went to that club, the Dolo, you would know what was going on with the mushroom farm crime. Uh, and that's when the, the phone call ended. And, you know, you they never, I think, followed uh, up on that lead because, you know, it was a, an anonymous call, an anonymous tip. The, but the Dolo was a, a cafe or nightclub, not really a nightclub, but like, you know, um, a, a bar, let's say, which was notorious for all the crooks who had drinks there. You know, you would range for small-time thefts to politicians, to retired cops, to active cops, to to Michel Newell, which was seen a lot there, you know, to fascists, you know, um, fascist groups would also hang there. You know, it's a, it's a melting pot uh, of people. And uh, that's not the last coincidence with Christine and Dutroux, because um, two days after Christine was murdered, uh, Dutroux opened a bank account at the Crédit Professionnel du Eno Bank. Uh, and uh, the following three days, I'm laughing because it's just so huge, the following three days, he received uh, a total of 200,000 Belgian francs on his account. You know, he had just created the account, he received that that, that amount, and then the, the account was never used again. Where did that money come from? You know, it just, it just popped up from nowhere and investigators uh, into Dutroux later on never found where he got that money, you know. Uh, so, you, and earlier we were talking about how um, Dutroux bragged, you know, to informants about how he could, you know, make money selling girls for 150,000 francs, Belgian francs. So you're wondering, like, could this be a thing? Could, in the 80s, you know, Neil and Dutroux were unruly, already involved in uh, trafficking minors, you know? Uh, selling them uh, or just, you know, killing them or I don't know, it's it's mind-boggling, like you said. Yes, it certainly is mind-boggling and, I mean, as you mentioned briefly earlier, I mean, we just started getting talking about the X-Files, but a lot of the activity that is claimed by the X-Witnesses was taking place in the 80s and so with the confirmation of the murder of Christine, all these facts lining up, and then we have the payment into Detroit's account, which is kind of reminiscent of the ecstasy payment that we were talking about earlier. I mean, you have these weird payments for, you know, what you would imagine is some sort of service being rendered at these times that take place right after the murder of, you know, certain girls and stuff like that. So I mean, it certainly would seem, uh, I mean, I don't know. Personally, I would feel like if I was an investigator who was looking into the claims of the ex-witnesses or or anything like this, I mean, this would have been like a, kind, kind of a bombshell, you know? I mean, I just, it, it, it really racks one's no. brain how this didn't... Uh, spur more action by, by the authorities but as is probably clear to most of the listeners it definitely seems that there is a real cover-up taking place amongst all of this um you know to to shield high-level powerful people but 
do you want to get maybe more or if we want to get you know more into intelligence ties we can go wherever you want to but is there anything else that you want to say about some of no. the other ex-witnesses because uh, there's there's so much so much no. there but also some of it's you know uh, pre- pretty graphic but the ex-witness testimony does implicate uh, a, a lot of people in it so uh, absolutely yeah uh, and uh, just before touching on that uh, uh, like you said it seems surely that there's some cover-up work you know um, and uh, if you're wondering why didn't people act out on this you know on, on Regina's t- t- testimony and all that that's because the X-Files investigation was shut down in 97 uh, apparently uh, you know it was a, a, a bad investigation you know the, the, the superiors uh, uh, in the, the true investigation said that uh, the investigators had you know uh, fed uh, the information to Regina um, and so they, they they just stopped it, you know. I could go in detail about it. So, it, you know, basically it was a, a, a whole thing, you know. They did like uh, reweeds of the of Regina's testimony and they pointed out, you know, uh, things that were exact and all that. Uh, in the X-Files book, uh, I, I've read uh, plenty of times, it's actually uh, the, the only book that goes on to debunk, you know, these claims that the investigation was you know uh you know a, a trick you know and it actually does pretty well uh, again there's a lot of details to go there um like it's just very precise things you know like mistranslations so they would say that uh regina did not say that because uh she meant that you know but since the investigation was led in dutch and the uh re-readers to you know, uh, validate the, the investigations were French, I believe, or didn't speak speak Dutch uh, uh, well. They you know they they didn't understand it correctly, so there were you know things there. Uh, so yeah, you know, at the end of the day, the investigators were uh, you know seen as uh, liars. Uh, Regina Louf's uh, reputation in, in Belgium was destroyed. She was seen as some kind of crazy girl. Because we were never supposed to know her name. We were supposed to know her as X1. But in the media, someone leaked her name to the to the public, you know. And she ended up becoming this uh, public figure, which was something she never wanted. You know, she wanted to tell her story and to be believed. Um, so, yeah, th- th- this whole thing crashed down uh, 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 as soon as it happened. You know, it only lasted one year. But like you said, she wasn't the, the only one who gave testimony. Uh, there were a, a lot of other ex-witnesses. And uh, we can go on about um, X2. So um, X2, I believe, was... Um, uh, let me think. I don't remember her name. I'll, I'll let you look at your notes and figure that out. But just for the listeners, I will put a link to a BBC documentary that Nick actually DM'd me before the show where you can learn a little bit about Regina Loof and her story. And there's actually, you know, footage of her and they interview her in it. And it, uh, you, you can also see with English subtitles, some of the news stories that were in the media that discredited her. And uh, after they, you know, made her, uh, they doxed her, you know, you, you know, 
violated her uh, anonymity and stuff like that. And it is very sad and, and very tragic. But if you want to learn more about it and, you know, also just see some of the footage of, you know, where this type of stuff took took place and, and stuff like that, it's, it's a good resource. So I very much appreciated you, Nick, sending that to me. And I'll, I'll put that below for other people, along with another uh, documentary that, that he sent me. But both are very, very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, those documentaries are, you know, I, I think the the documentary on uh, Regina is uh, on the X Files is, you know, uh, a must watch if you're interested in this case because you, you well, when you learn Regina's story, you 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 see the the, the truther with a, you know, with a, a different eye. Let's say, um, so X two uh, is actually uh, the the second witness who called up to the investigation cell. And she was actually someone who worked on the Dutroux affair, uh, allegedly, you know, pretty afar, but she was, uh, you know, a, a small-time cop that had been uh, attributed to, 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 to the Dutroux affair. And, and she, you know, she she heard of X1, you know, the, the, in the investigation cell, uh, the, the X-Files. And, you know, she, she started telling her... Uh, uh, the, the other police officers uh, about what she had went through apparently and you know so she decided to go herself and talk about it so uh, she said that she had been uh, you know uh, brought into these kind of elite parties you know it wasn't uh, kind of these nightmarish uh, crime scenes uh, type of things that Regina could describe in her stories it was more like you know uh, she was 16, I believe, and she had uh, a pimp that would bring her to these parties uh, that were in uh, in hotels and villas and uh, you know big houses, big houses in the in the in the campaign. Uh, and um, what's interesting is that one of the villa that uh, X2 mentions is also a villa that uh, X1 mentioned, a villa in Knock, which is at the Belgian coast. Um, and uh, they never knew anything about the others, you know, because obviously X2 had been, you know, she had learned of X1, but she didn't know the stories, you know, she had just learned that she was telling uh, the, these awful stories to the, to the police, you know, she didn't know the details. So when she brought up this random villa, the investigators said this could be something. Uh, she also said that she does recall seeing children at these events, you know, uh, uh, minors like her. She also uh, recalls seeing Michel Newell there, you know, so he pops up again, the, the, the disgusting old man, you know. and But she says that she didn't see anything out of the extra, the extra the extraordinary, excuse me. So she said that she was, you know, conditioned to believe that this was normal for for her, you know, that she had this guy, this older guy who was a, a boyfriend or a pimp, and, you know, they would just go to these parties and there were younger people there and that was something that was normal, you know, to what she was told. And she was only in this uh, circle for about four years, from 84 to 88. Uh, and she also told stories that were in hers directly, like things that other children she had talked to had seen, you know, uh, and one of the most 
awful stories she had uh, told the, the, the police, the, the investigating cell, was that she had witnessed, uh, well, not, not witnessed, excuse me, uh, heard what she could only describe as a, a child hunt, which is, uh, it's terrible that I even have to explain this, but it's uh, apparently something that uh, these people, this, this network did, is that they, you know, they set uh, children, uh, naked children, um, outside in the woods, you know, they just let them roam and they would hunt them. Uh, she said she heard awful screams, you know, from uh, the woods uh, near a castle in the Arden woods she was at for a party. You know, she said there were terrible, awful screams. Um, and yeah, that will pop up later uh, with other uh, ex-witnesses, these child hunts. Um, and she stopped working with the investigating investigating cell, excuse me, uh, because uh, she started to, you know, she didn't believe that this would end uh, with uh, her or the the, the truth, excuse me, uh, coming out. So she said that uh, in in a quote that I think sums up the the feelings she had about that. So she said precisely um, that she knew the police and the judiciary rule uh, that uh, she also knew that the investigation into the Raban killers was sabotaged uh, and that it was happening here again. Uh, so the, the, the she was asking herself, oh, she could have been so naive, you know. She she started to, to think that it was all pointless. It was predictable from the beginning that this would end up uh, leading to nowhere. So, yeah, that's the story of X2. Uh, there's uh, X3 after that, that's um, older than the, so far, two other ex-witnesses. She recalled events that took place from the 50s to the 60s, early 60s. She was brought up to these parties, you know, uh, by her parents, I believe. I'm not sure. But she was abused as a child, very young child, and then she was uh, brought up to these parties where children were tortured and killed. Uh, and what's, um, you know, I'd say new about this is that she says that, well, it's pretty much like Regina, some of Regina's story, stories, is that the, the students were killed in ceremonial, almost like ritualistic killings, you know. Uh, and her testimony isn't as, I'd say, as thorough as the other testimonies. I think she she's lacking some, you know, some um, precision in her stories, but uh, also she's not from the, the the same era as the other ex-witnesses. So there's not the there's no people like Neil or Dutroux popping up in this, you know. So you can't you can make links there. Uh, she nevertheless goes on to say that uh, one of uh, well, Sepik, we, we're getting back to that. Uh, Sepik said. Uh, Van den Buyenens, which is uh, the former prime minister, a former prime minister of Belgium, was involved in these parties. You know, at the time he was in his forties, uh, he was an abuser of X3. Uh, and you know, she was she describes um, being with all these uh, big big names. Uh, she talks about uh, ten prince of Belgium, Halbert which ended up being King Albert II um, of Belgium. 
uh, and she says that well, it's 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 a it's a belief, is that uh, a, a testimony is the one who brought this investigation down because as soon as you start talking about the the royal family, the you know in Belgium, that's when th things get a little bit iffy, you know. You you couldn't have uh, basically the, the the king and the royal family is beyond uh, charging. You know they're above the law. So uh, if you could, you know, if she if she ended up telling stories about Albert, Prince Albert, uh, you know, and that that would lead into uh, let's say uh, an unsolved murder. Let's say uh, some some. Children were killed, as she as she had told the investigators, and if in some way uh, Prince Albert was linked to that, you know that would put the investigation into a dead end. Because how do you prosecute this crime without prosecuting, uh, without implicating the Prince Albert? You know, so it was. It's a little bit iffy. It's, it's a bit blurry, you know, but I do believe it's possible for the Prince Albert to be involved in, in, in these bodies. Uh, maybe not, you know, uh, into the, the, the full thing, you know, like maybe not um, killing children, but uh, the Prince Albert in the, in the 60s and his wife, uh, Paula, were involved in, uh, well, they were involved in um, in uh, adultery and they were cheating on each other and their stories about how, uh, you know, they were attending these parties. Uh, possibly these, uh, you know, these orgies, and uh, Prince Albert uh, even ended up having uh, an illegitimate daughter, you know, that came from um, uh, some noble woman. Uh, I don't remember her name, but he had a, a legit illegitimate daughter that he spent years denying, uh, and until recently she wasn't even, you know, part of the royal family. But he had to take a DNA test. I think in 2020, something like that, and it it was found that she was his daughter, you know, just uh, not from uh, not with his wife. So I think there's credibility to uh, extreme testimony here. Uh, but let's say that things are, you know, kind of on, um, you know, when you reach the the royal family, it's kind of the same in England, I guess. You know, it's uh, with Prince Andrew and all that. They'll go to all means to stop the investigation from being from happening. Uh, and so to to wrap things up on uh, the, the ex witnesses, there's X four, there's other ex witnesses, there's X sixty nine as well, which was a a, 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 a gay man prostitute. Um, there's I think one other I think, but their stories are not as interesting as uh, these four ones. Uh, X4 uh, was, as a young girl, you know, she went through uh, Christians, Christian cults uh, and sex. Um, she was uh, apparently given to a man by her mom, and that man filmed her and made, you know, uh, raped her and all that on film. Uh, she also names Van den Buyenen, Paul Van den Buyenens, which is the, the former prime minister of Belgium we were talking, as someone who was... Uh, interested in the in the stuff movies made by the, the guy she was being uh, given to. She describes the same hotel I was talking about with X2, that the uh, X1 and X2 know. Um, and she, she also apparently 
pointed out pictures of, you know, um, when uh, they, the, the ex-witnesses were sometimes presented pictures of possible uh, people they could have known, you know, in the, in the network and all that. And she pointed uh, several childhood friends of X1 out that had also suffered abuse. And um, yeah, she was. Uh, she said uh, that uh, most of her abusers were, you know, kind of elite Opus Dei members. You know, so kind of that Christian, um, more of that Christian um, branch, I'd say, of, of the network. You know, uh, Opus Dei members and um, some weird Christian cults. Uh, she had a picture of her found in a in a private collection of a, of a pedophile. Um, and yeah, I think that's it on X4. She, oh, no, 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 yeah, I forgot one thing. She also um, went to some parties and she said that, you know, uh, people there were involved in the, in the pinon file, which is something that we can maybe talk about after this. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, something that is interesting is like you mentioned with Opus Dei, and then there was a an, another group because I mean I, I'm not an expert on Belgian history, but I mean it, if if I'm right, there's always kind of been a conflict between the uh, Catholics and and the Protestants there uh, for for a while, anyways. Yep. But uh, you did a thread on uh, the the Celestial Church of Christ, you know. So it sounds like you have like the uh, the, the, the Opus Dei faction, but it sounds like you might even have, you know, some of these, you know, uh, uh, Protestant groups and uh, who, who are involved in, in this as well, potentially. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of off topic there. I mean, you can talk about the Celestial Church of Christ if you'd like. I, I thought that that was uh, uh, interesting, but there are just so many threads here that you could just talk for an eternity uh, about this. Absolutely, yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, sorry. Go on. Yeah, go go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like you said, uh, I, I'm under the, the impression myself that there's uh, multiple factions, uh, maybe even multiple networks at play here. You know, uh, there's obviously uh, the, the the very private environment of you know uh, elite parties where you have uh, you know just people, politicians, uh, doctors. Uh, you know, people uh, from uh, the, the the elite of society, you know, turning up. But then also there's sort of the more ritual, you know, uh, aspect of these parties sometimes. Like, you know, it starts as a normal elite party, you know, like people get together, they have a drink, they have sex. Uh, but somehow there's children getting involved in that and then they're hurting the children, you know, and it can, like, you can go from just a small party where, you know, there's like six people there and uh, they they have a, a private party, whatever happens, happens, to, you know, children get involved in that and then, you know, people hurt children, you know, and I think it's, uh, it can go wrong uh, very easily. And I think also there's maybe an element of blackmail play here, you know, uh, people that would never do, this, as they say, you know, they end up doing it because uh, they're, they're, you know, it's the, the environment is safe, you know, like if you see the, the Prince Albert, it's the, you know, you like, 
well, fuck, they can't do anything about this, you know, they're, they're not going to investigate this. So uh, they're bringing me uh, children. Uh, and, you know, I, I think it's um, something that can happen. And, yeah, like you said, um, what was that? Was this the, the Church of Celestial um, Christ? I don't remember. Yeah, I believe it's called the Celestial Church of Christ, but that, they were connected to, I believe, Nihu's wife and... Uh, they were involved with oh, yeah, migrant yeah, yeah. children, right. um, which I mean, right, there's, right. there's nothing, there's there's nothing official as far as as that goes. I mean, it's not like with the the murder of Christine and Luke's testimony where we have all this stuff to back up. But I mean, when you see that, you know, uh, someone like Michelle Nichols' wife who uh, is you know married to this guy who's pretty clearly it seems involved with you know child trafficking and with Dutru is, you know, also she's involved with, you know, this, this church who's involved with, you know, uh, migrant children and stuff. I mean, just one's brain can really go to some pretty horrible places as far as, you know, what could possibly be going on there. But I, I just brought that up, you know, more as an example of, I mean, you have the Opus Dei, which, uh, I believe it was X4, one of the ex-witnesses, you know, said that they were responsible for yes. some of the most violent and, and sadistic of, of it. And everybody knows that the, yes. that the Catholic Church has a problem with, with pedophilia, and, and, and that's nothing new. But, I mean, you also have these, you know, kind of yeah. weird fringe Protestant groups, and you have X4 who is kind of brought up in this, you know, uh, cultish type, you know, perverse uh christian environment you know not the type of christianity that christ would recognize um you know and and so i mean you you have all these different factions and then i mean yeah you have the rich the ritualistic satanic abuse but it seems like uh all of this kind of goes more to that this network that is made up of you know people on the far right catholics uh you know you know, certain fringe yes. Protestant groups and, and stuff like that. Um, and, and it, I mean, it makes sense that when people are involved in, in, in stuff that's this kind of, that's this dark, that they would all, you know, network with one another and have this thing that they all bond over. Across the 
It is that look of a lioness to her man across the Nile. Wanna feel my heart break if it must break in your jaws. Want you to lick my blood. to her. 